Yeah, well, our and Eloy's actually been in Wells now for, well, over 150 years. Everybody will tell you West Wells next to sea when the tide's in, and Wells a bloody long way away from it when it's out, because we got probably the longest low water launch run in the institution. Uh, we have to run big end of two mile when the tide's out before we actually get float. So you're looking at about 18, 20 minutes from leaving the boathouse before we actually launch. When the tide's in, that's literally, well, 15, 20 foot out of the boathouse door and we're in the harbour. I started going to sea fishing when I was, what, 12 years old. So I've been working on fishing boats, well, up until I came full time down here all my life. Ended up owning the skipper in my own boat. So I spent, the, well, I've spent all my life at sea. And I suppose if you go to sea, you know about lifeboats. I mean, I actually grew up miles away as I emigrated to Wells. I mean, I was born, well, 12 miles down the road, or down the road, as we say, in this part, so. But I've always been aware of lifeboats, or the lifeboats I've virtually always been at sea. And I think if you go to sea and you're not aware of the RNLI, or, as I say, lifeboats, you haven't really been paying attention, have you? I mean, when I started, we still used to wear the old horse collar life jackets. They didn't inflate at all. I mean, they was, I think that was K-Pok. They was very handy to put your hands behind to keep them warm on a cold day, but other than that, they was a pain in the neck. Um, like I say, we was virtually an open boot. That was all, well, that was all manual labour. A lot of it still is, but I mean, in them days, that was definitely manual labour. We used to have to bring the Oakley up the beach put the writing poles out and there's half a dozen hanging on one side and the other half a dozen hanging on, lifting the other side, this length, lift the boot up. I suppose starting on the boot was probably a little bit different for me being a fisherman, as I already had that sort of basic, well, seamanship, if you like, in the system, so, I never had to learn that bit. Well, I'd say one of the, one of the ones what stick in my mind the most was what three year ago. And that was actually one of the local fishing boats sunk. They managed to get a call out on the mobile phone saying they was well. I actually was standing on the side of the wheelhouse. Luckily, there was a. Belgian helicopter in the area that heard the Mayday Humber Coast Guard put out. Managed to locate them, which was handy, because we knew exactly where they were. But um, they didn't have any rescue thing. They couldn't winch them off, because they didn't have a winchman, etc. That was just a bog-standard military helicopter, shall we say. Well, we obviously got to shoot. Well, I'd only been, well, me and the second cox and young Mark, we'd only been shooting with the, the lad who skipped with the boat the day before. I mean, you know, look, lads, we know them. And I think adrenaline-wise, that was probably the best adrenaline rush I've ever had. I didn't actually realise I was having it until we got them out of the, well, short, just as we launched the helicopter report, the boat had sunk and they was in life jackets. Uh, we got to them and 
well, plucked them out. One of them, he managed to come up and scramble the net on his own. The other one, once he got his hands on the net, he was, well, that was it, he was done. Got him on board, got him stripped off, brought his clothes, well, brought to warm him up. I mean, bearing in mind this, well, that was the 5th of November, I can tell you what day it was. So the water wasn't uh, too warm. They then lifted them off by helicopter and took them off to hospital because they were worrying about hypothermia, second drowning. But I think what sticks in my mind is I didn't realise how wide I was until the second lad went in the helicopter door and they slid the door shut and banked away ahead for, well, Norwich Hospital. And the sense of relief that came over then, and at the time I would have just said, well, all right, obviously that was everything flat out. I mean, that was one of the... You don't get that many shouts when five minutes extra make a lot of difference. But that one did. And, I mean, we was lucky enough, there was just enough, everything worked in her favour, there was just enough tide to launch outside the boat house. Um, most of the lads on the beach said they'd never seen the boat leave the carriage so quick and go flat out, because normally you tend to let, her, let the engines warm up a bit. But that was straight into flat out mode. And as I say, the... The thing that sticks in my mind is the feeling as the helicopter banked away and you thought, hang on a minute, we just saved two lads' lives. What made it probably more intense was the fact we knew them. And I remember Mark second cops and come out of the wheelhouse, he looked at me and a couple of the other lads said, what are we going to do now? And we both said, we're going to bloody sit here for five minutes and have a fag. And that was... <laughs> I think after we'd had that one, we decided to buy a unanimous boot, we'd have another bugger. But, you know, that, was, that sticks in my mind the most, mainly for that adrenaline that I didn't actually realise I was running on until I didn't need it anymore. Sometime this year, we're going to go overnight from having probably one of the oldest stations and the, definitely the oldest boot to having the newest station and the newest boot. Complete with shop, visitor engagement, centre... Whole kit caboodle. On top of that, we've got a brand new boot coming home basically more or less at the same time. So we've got to get used to a new station, a new boot, a new way of operating, if you like, all at the same time. So that's going to be fairly intense. I think that's also, which a lot of people forget, so other than me being full-time, everybody else down here is a volunteer. And boy, crikey, we're going to have to put some effort and time into this transition. The boat we're getting is the launch of memory free one, so we've got 15,000 people's names on the side of it. Now, seems to be a little bit of comfort to some people. Other people, as I say, you don't have to be dead to be on there as my parents will assess to, because they decided they wanted to be on it, which is probably a good example. Now, my father went to sea once when I was fishing as a small boy, threw up and said he'd never go to sea again. My mother was petrified of the sea, wouldn't go anywhere near it, panics like mad every time I go out there. But they both wanted to be on the side of the lifeboat. So, there you go. They're both on the side of the lifeboat, along with, as I say, 14,998 other people. So, <laughs> it actually, if you think about it, makes you probably realise just what a high regard the RNLI has held by a lot of people. Uh, probably more important name on the side of it is going to be the Duke of Edinburgh. 
as also the 53rd boat the civil service lifeboat funder funded so I think we're getting everything thrown at us in one hit here but then well we're from Norfolk we'll just adapt and wander along at our own speed and that'll work out in the end I mean, we was the last station to launch using horses, so to say we don't like change is probably... Well, if I, if I ain't broke, don't fix it. Broy. I am crew at Chiswick Lifeboat. If you want to hear more stories from the RNLI's 200 Voices collection, then head to rnli.org forward slash 200 voices or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Two Hundred Voices is produced for the RNLI by Adventurous Audio Limited.